You're listening to The Kelly Track Show. I'm your host, Kelly Track, author, coach, and eternal optimist. Each week, I'll give you lessons to elevate your life, reclaim your personal power, and truly awaken and transform. Your best life starts right now. Hey, my friends, welcome back to the show. Thank you as always for tuning in and for listening. Today, we have a gorgeous episode for you lined up with my friend, Letitia Ringe. And now, support for today's episode comes from my friends at Teachable. Teachable is the course platform that I use where your best life lives and the upcoming inner circle is going to be living on there as well. And it is my favorite place to do online courses. It is so easy. It's so intuitive. And I picked it over everything else I looked at. I'm often asked about what I would recommend and where I host my courses from other entrepreneurs, other people doing kind of similar work as me. And it's definitely teachable. I love this and I would recommend it to anybody. And I use it for myself for a reason because it's easy. It's super intuitive and it's really plug and plug. Because when you're making stuff, the last thing you need is a piece of software that is difficult to use because you're already making a whole course. (laughs) So if you want to get started and give Teachable a try, use the link in the show notes to sign up. And because you are a podcast listener, you get three free classes that have $1,000 of value totally for free on how to build your first online course. Plus, you even get the option to get eight free weeks of live coaching from the Teachable team themselves. Now, for today's episode, I am so excited to bring you my dear friend, Letitia. I love Letitia Ringe. Like, I would use the word soul sister when describing her. And I feel like even though we've lived in different parts of the world, meeting her has felt like coming home. And it's like one of the very first times where, you know, when you meet someone, you're like, I totally get you. We totally click. Let's be besties. That's literally how I feel about Letitia. So Letitia is a purpose and feminine essence coach based in London and originally from Sydney, Australia. She is a qualified beautiful you life coach, trained theta healer and host of the create a life that is beautiful podcast and TV. Letitia supports her community to create a life they love, enjoy, and are inspired by through embracing their purpose and feminine essence. Before this work, Letitia spent 10 years in the corporate world and worked as a lawyer before walking away to start her own passion-based, purpose-driven self-growth business. She also gave up alcohol in 2017 and is now a proponent of an alcohol-free lifestyle. This episode is so fun and so juicy, and we're going to get started right now. Well, welcome to the show, Letitia. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I too am so excited and honored to be here on your show. Oh, thank you. So I wanted to ask my most pressing question off the top of my head. Um, what does Madam Dry taste like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is so good. So I really love the lavender one and I've shared it with because I bought two cases while I was in Australia and I shared it with all my friends and family. And the general consensus was that the lavender was the best, but I also love the rose. It's just, um, the lavender has, it tastes, it tastes like sparkling water, but then you also have a hint of lavender flavor. Whereas the rose is very strongly scented, but tastes just like sparkling water. I think that's what most people agreed, but they're so fun. So fun. I love them. Yeah, they are so fun. And we can't get them in North America. Um, I'm kind of waiting for those to come because I'm so curious and they look so beautiful. I'm obsessed with like the packaging and the design and the fact that they're like made with crystals and made on the new moon. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's, 
just beautiful. It is. And on the back, it says exactly what they're for, you know, like inspires passion, creativity. So I love that intention behind them. And when, you know, when you want a little pick-me-up, you can go and get, you know, a bottle of Madam Dry sparkling water that's going to make you feel more creative. And it's just a really great idea. I also, they're not in London as far as I know, so I don't think I'll have access to them until I'm back in Australia in a year's time for my next visit. Yeah. So talking on the same topic of stuff we found from Just Lively, what is your favorite way to get into alignment these days? Oh, there's so many different ways, but I really love Kundalini yoga at the moment. Ooh. And yeah, um, particularly with Brit and Tara from Elevate the Globe. Oh, they used okay. to be called High Vibe Living. Yeah, um, I do their Kundalini uh, videos and I'm part of their Rise Up course and their 528 Academy. And so they always have new Kundalini um, yoga um, videos coming out. And they're also usually timed with like the new moon and the full moon. And therefore like the particular season um, in terms of like, you know, Pisces, Aries, Taurus. And um, there's just so much beautiful intention behind them. And I love them. So that gets me into alignment at the moment. Mm, I love that. How do you define intention like have things that have intention I'm so curious as to how you would define that in your own words yeah so I always I like to compare uh, intention is your reason for doing something so what is the energy that's going into it and I love to compare it when you're looking at goals because I, I love to use with my clients, my coaching clients, um, I like to just talk about intentions rather than goals. And for me, that's because the goal is, you know, the outcome that you're wanting, whereas the intention is the way that you're going to do it. So it's like, it's the present moment focus, how you're going to get there, what you commit to doing and being, um, in order to, you know, you want to bring about the goals, but you don't have any control over that happening. All you have control over is the present moment. So it's the energy that you can put into something now today. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I I've always kind of found intentions kind of more difficult for me to grasp because I was very good at setting goals and I understand goals inside out. And I had never learned the word intention till like literally a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) And, and now I feel like I'm always like asking for examples or trying to look at it further because it's something, it's like the, it's the new practice for me to look at like setting daily intentions and like trying to be a little bit more like deliberate and thoughtful. And I love that you shared about how it's in the present moment versus goals being in the future. That I think is something that nobody had shared with me before. So thank you for that. That's helpful for me. No, good. Yeah, that's really important. And I think like if you think about, you know, you you say, okay, my goal might be I want to go to, I'll just say something relevant for me at the moment, but more dance classes. Mm. But my real intention is to um, have make time for play or to have fun. And that's what's most important because if you don't actually feel like going dancing, that doesn't mean that that intention then can't work because your idea of fun or or play could be something different in that moment. So it just, it always works then and the goals uh, matter less. Mm -hmm. That's a great example that the goal of doing a dance class versus the intention to have fun and play. That makes so much sense. I I love that. So what is the, what's the biggest thing that Jess Lively has taught you? Oh, 
that is a big one because she she is who taught me about this difference between goals and intentions and focusing on you know what you can do in the present moment so that was that was a really really big thing for me because I was such a warrior mm-hmm. and um, and also I was always ch- chasing perfection and and chasing outcomes as well. So when I learned that I could just focus on the present moment and how I wanted to feel in the present moment, that really changed everything. So that was all about, you know, living with intention. And I did her life with intention course. And, but then very quickly, it was only a matter of months. I then did her flow with intention course. And this is all about, you know, as you know, the law of attraction and manifestation and flow and alignment and, I was already familiar with the law of attraction, but I hadn't been consciously using it for many years. I had used it in the past to manifest my partner. And so when that came back into my life, I have to say that's also been one of the biggest effect on my life because I got to see the law of uh, the law of attraction from a a scientific through a scientific lens and it was from a different perspective to the way I'd understood it before and which allowed me to then bring it back into my life as in consciously be practicing using it working with it rather than just unconsciously it working against me in some mm-hmm. ways and so yeah her work around all of that has been really, really significant for me as well. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I haven't taken Life with Intention online. So I was kind of considering about that one because it would be fun to like brush up and also see some of her earlier works because I kind of just started following as of about a year ago. And so it's been a lot of the later stuff. So I always sometimes enjoy going back to what people did at the start. Yeah, that would be so interesting for you to do. Yeah, I started listening to her um, show back in 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah, the first episode my friend shared to me, and it was um, her episode with Elisa Vitti, and so it was all about, you know, your um, hormones and menstrual cycle, and she sent that to me because I'd just been diagnosed then with endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And so I just from that moment, from that episode, I I loved it so much. It really opened my eyes to another way of being that I then just delved into all the episodes she had available at that time. And then since then I've, you know, kept up to date with all of her content, you know, religiously, and she's got to be one of my number one mentors for sure. Yeah. I love that. So what is something else that you're currently obsessed with right now? Oh, I'm currently obsessed with Joe Dispenza. Mm. And yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I want to delve into some of his other books, but I recently read or finished Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And so, for the last couple of months, I've been working on his, like through his meditations. And, you know, every day I spend, you know, at least half an hour doing one of his meditations and really like trying to release different emotions. Mm. And I guess that were, you know, also part of my state of being. And I think this has been called into my life because to deal with now, because I've been, uh, I've been in such a great place, but what this has asked me to do is to, you know, delve into some, um, you know, really 
uh, I don't know, like a lot of stuff from the past and to really like let go of some of these older stories that I've been sort of carrying along because um, that's what we do. We, we carry them with us and then we need to release them and we don't want to because they are, even if they're negative, a part of our identity and so we really attach to them. So that's been a really interesting process, also difficult, but uh, there's been a lot of growth Mm -hmm. I love that you shared that. I'm really into his work right now too. And it's so fascinating. I also agree. It gets, it gets deep really quickly. And some of the meditations are really long. And sometimes I'll be like, oh my God, do we still have to talk about space? And sometimes I'll crack up and then sometimes I'll cry and I'll have like a, a very different energy shift where I feel like I'm letting things go. So it's been just like this practice for me and also kind of just giving myself the grace, whether or not if I crack up and laugh and like totally am out of it, or if I actually go deep and just be like, Hey, as long as I just try every day to do like a little meditation and just give it a try. I think that's all that really counts. Yeah. And also that having that lighthearted intention behind it, I think is really important because you know, we, we need the contrast and when we're dealing with things that are, you know, hard, that, you know, are painful, it's really nice to sort of be able to attach, detach from them by having that lighthearted, um, intention because where you've got to sort of make friends with these feelings, they are a part of our human existence, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Totally. So I want to ask you about your life pivot. And I'm so curious if you can share with us about how you made the decision to stop practicing law and how you ended up becoming a life coach. <laughs> sure thing. So, well, I have to dial it back um, a bit to when I was 17, which is a lot. Uh, I was in the legal industry for 10 years. So we're dialing it back quite a bit, but I think it's important because from 17 years old, I I was in my society and culture class and I was learning about what self-actualization was, which if anyone listening doesn't know what that is, it's um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's the like final stage. It's when you can really answer, you know, why am I here? And I, when I learned about that, I knew that I needed to discover my purpose so I really, and, and that would be through my work. So from that moment, I had a really heavy responsibility on my shoulders because I wanted to find the answer and the one. And then as a, you know, I was interested in so many different things. I was also um, doing really well in a lot of different subjects. I was then really confused about which avenue I would take. So I ended up studying law and psychology. And while I was studying, I then, you know, I got a job very quickly on in a law firm and I just sort of fell into a role in family law. And um, that's where I stayed for another six years. So I was in private practice for eight years and I enjoyed the work. But what I came to realize was that more than enjoying the work, what I enjoyed was working hard 
and also, you know, doing well at whatever it was I was given. And so, you know, I'd had a number of different jobs before going into law. Like, I mean, retail sort of stuff. And I always, I always enjoyed my job. I thought, I thought they were great. I did a great job. I got a lot of, um, you know, validation. And so at some point along the way, I realized that that was really more, um, that was where I was getting my enjoyment. It was really seeking external validation and approval from others. But still, I thought, well, I've dedicated all of this time to being in uh, the legal industry, so I needed to keep going. And I, so I did. And what happened was I, I eventually just I ignored my intuition and I had a number of different events that occurred that should have been a wake-up call, but I continued to ignore and I kept pushing through and I was very much in my masculine energy. So I, I got a lot of my self-worth through the actions that I took. So it was all about action. If I wasn't working, then I thought, you know, what, you know, you're not worth anything. And, um, and then eventually my body gave up. And I was diagnosed with endometriosis. And at that stage, I, I, I also, I was getting sick all the time. Like I was always sick. I always had the flu. I always, I suffered from um, tonsillitis so often. There were lots of different issues. And, um, and then with the endometriosis, I always had really painful periods. So it was really difficult to keep up that stamina with my work every day, um, especially not not understanding that my body doesn't operate on a 24-hour hormonal cycle like um, men do. So it was very much, I was very much in, in a man's world. And um, when I got the diagnosis, I that really shook me up because I thought if I don't change what I'm doing, uh, I'm going to, I might not be able to have children and I'm going to run myself into the ground and um, look at what I've already done to my body. So I really stopped for the first time and just, um, and surrendered and really dialed it back. And then very quickly after that, it just sort of flowed this way, but um, an opportunity for my partner at the time, who's now my fiance, um, came up for us both to move to London. And I thought, yes, I have to do this now because I know that I will find my purpose. And I really, and for me, finding my purpose was just about finding fulfillment and what my, you know, contribution was going to be. So once I moved to London, that really escalated things because when you move out of your environment, um, you, there's a lot that you take for granted. There's a lot that you think is, is you that isn't. And so when I moved out of that, when the, there was a lot of contrast that I noticed. So if I didn't enjoy something like I moved into another corporate job, but it wasn't in private practice. So I started to know, you know, I really don't actually enjoy working in an office. I really don't enjoy, you know, being not, not having my own freedom in what I was doing day to day. And, um, so yeah, all these things started becoming more obvious to me. And also I had tons more time. So because I had started listening to the lively show and basically I just used all of my free time to start, uh, reading personal development, self-help books. I really dived into it. Like literally I walk to work. I listen to a podcast. I walk home. I listen to a podcast. I get home. I'd watch YouTube videos. I'd read 
everything. I'd even, when we were going on holidays, because this was part of the reason we moved was to be able to explore Europe. I'd also be listening to personal development and self-help books. And I'd be really mad if I wasn't able to listen. (laughs) I get that feeling. (laughs) And, and I just became obsessed. And so without having that, um, you know, the, the outcome of wanting to find my purpose, like that wasn't really, I mean, it was an outcome that I wanted, but I also had given myself tons of space to find it. And so all I did was just follow what interested me. And, um, and then that very quickly led me to what I knew was what I was like here to do. And, um, and that's when I decided to, you know, pursue life coaching, start my own health and wellness business. I really wanted to help people on their own journey of discovering what was work for them that they would love and enjoy and also be inspired by. And that's, you know, being in alignment with their purpose. And, um, yeah, so I started my website and blog and then everything just sort of unfolded very quickly for me. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think what you touched on, I think so many people and so many listeners could resonate with, especially what you shared about how you kind of were getting the bodily clues and intuitive clues and you like kind of knew, but also chose to ignore them. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that is such a common thing. Like when we kind of like, we kind of know, but we're kind of like, oh, we don't actually know. We kind of like shove it away in a box somewhere else. (laughs) And we're like, oh, we'll come back to that later or it will resolve itself or it will go away. Exactly. Thank you for sharing that. And the other thing that I loved is that you had to, you know, make, make space and allow for time and for, for stillness, for new things to come in. I think that is another piece that is so critical to the puzzle of like figuring it out. And that self-actualization that you shared, like when we pack our days in and like the more busy my life was, like I, I wasn't having any time to ask the deeper questions or like think about what I really liked. And I just so resonated with what you shared about how, like when you had the space, it was that moment of like, oh, what do I like to work on? Or what do I want to go look up on YouTube? Or what would I like to do with all this extra time? And I think that's an overlooked area of the sort of like path to what you want to do of this, of this time of exploration. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's a realization that I've only had more recently because I, um, yeah, I, I guess because I've been and we'll probably talk about this at some point, but once I started my business, then I started to get more into the world of spirituality. And before that was very much personal development. And I was very like only, you know, I had to be able to explain it to my male counterparts at work. And, um, and then after I'd left, I started to, and it was through yoga and I think also quitting alcohol and through Kundalini, I started to really explore spirituality. And what came up often was about this feminine uh, energy. And so it was there and also through, I guess, flow with intention, this idea of space really, I I started to understand that on a whole new level. And as I reflect back on my whole journey to, you know, finding it, uh, even though, you know, it's forever evolving and expanding and I don't plan on marrying my career ever, I realized then that it was the space that I gave myself that was so 
that was really it. That's what we don't give ourselves. And if we don't give ourselves space, we don't have the space to receive either the inspiration or the creativity. So our ideas, um, we don't have the space to receive and hear from our intuition. And so space is so crucial and that is the feminine energy. And for anyone, you know, who's listening, who feels like that's a really foreign concept, that's because for most of us, it is because we don't, we're, we're, we're taught how to use our masculine energy, which is our action and our logic. And that's something that's favored in many professions and in our schooling. And that's why we're very much detached from it. So yes, my whole approach to finding purpose is about um, is is about learning to or relearning how to use your feminine energy so that you are able to align with your purpose and also create you know the life that you really love and that you enjoy and are inspired by. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what feminine essence and feminine energy means to you? Definitely. So when I talk about feminine essence, I'm talking about feminine energy, um, and you can also refer to it as your right brain capabilities. So basically, regardless of gender, we all have access to masculine and feminine energy. And it's just called masculine and feminine as a way to divide them up. It's like yin and yang. Yang is masculine, yin is feminine. It's a way to show uh, almost opposites, but um, they're available to all of us regardless of gender. And we tend to have a, a natural tendency or affiliation to one of them more than the other. And so when we try to um, create balance in our life or to be our most productive, which is when we've got a really good balance of both the masculine and feminine energy, so we, we need to work on building up that the other energy that that's lesser known to us or that we're less familiar with. So our, as I mentioned before, masculine energy is very much about logic and action. And um, our feminine energy is about receiving. It's about surrender. It's about beauty. It's about creativity, inspiration. It's about intuition it's also about sensuality and it's also about like a cyclical. So it's very different to our masculine energy. And if we don't, if we aren't drawing on both of those, so if we're too much in our masculine or we're too much in our feminine, we can't get things done. We're not productive. And we also need both of them so that we can, well, we need the feminine to be able to sustain ourselves. And so feminine is also about rest and restoration. And so if we, that's why we experience burnout when we're going, when we're too much in our masculine. So we're just action, 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 action. You'll get to a point where you just can't action anymore because you're not taking care of your body. You're not resting. Um, you're not receiving. And also you're, um, you're putting in so much more energy to get the same things done that if you did, did it using, um, your receiving abilities and this feminine energy, which is also flow, um, that you would be able to get done much faster. But to do that, you've got to be able to let go and allow 
um, you know, to be, to feel supported and to receive and to trust. So it's a very different way of being, whereas um, masculine is very much on doing. It's very different to what we're used to and we don't really value the feminine energy, but we need it. We need both of them to be able to be our most productive and to be the uh, full expression of ourselves that we all want to be. Yeah, I love that you shared that. And that was such a beautiful explanation, Leticia. That was so good. I think what you shared about this concept of like allowing and receiving, I feel like so many of us, we are, especially, you know, like speaking of, of women and females who have such a hard time tapping into that, because this has been a practice for me as well, especially as of lately. And this concept of like, oh, I can receive it and allow it versus making it happen. I've recently decided to take out the words, make it happen out of my (laughs) lingo, because it was like one of my phrases I had said forever, kind of in my really like masculine yang days of like, I'm going to make this happen (laughs) versus now I'm like, I'm going to allow and I'm going to see what comes to me, which is so empowering and beautiful. And I want to touch on this deeper in in the topic of feminine essence of how you reclaim the sacred part of yourself and how you kind of came more into your feminine because I feel like so many of us just adhere to the standards of being masculine and this is the way to do it and this is like how it should be and how you you kind of came home to this version of yourself I just had goosebumps when you asked uh, as you asked me this question so Aww. it's such a beautiful question thank you for asking me um so Well, when I started to tap into my feminine energy, I wasn't aware of it um, in the beginning when I just sort of gave up and surrendered. But when I consciously started to really explore it, it was, as I mentioned earlier, when I was exploring um, spirituality and but it was really about connecting to the moon for me. And that might sound really woo woo. Um, even I don't like to use the word woo woo, but I also recognize that that is a word that people are familiar with. And so, yeah, it working with the moon might sound quite woo woo, but actually the, so the sun is masculine and the moon is feminine and the moon is cyclical. And I actually, I just had this beautiful woman, Claire Baker, who, um, all her work centers on the menstrual cycle. I just had her on my podcast, which launched today and So she spoke about the moon mirroring the menstrual cycle completely. Mm. So basically the moon runs on about 29 and a half day cycle. And for women, all of our cycles run um, differently, but let's say on average, it's between 28 to 30 days. And so the phases of the moon also mirror the feminine cycle. And for me, it started off with learning to uh, just be more connected to the moon. So it was when are the full moons, when are the um, new moons? And I started setting intentions and then doing like a releasing on the full moon. And I also then came into contact with Claire's work and I was already um, tracking my cycle because I had been ever since really I'd um, learned that I had endometriosis and I'd followed Elisa Vitti from Flow Living, um, her work. Um, and she has like a app called My Flow where you can track the four different phases, but it's from, you know, it's talking about the follicular, luteal, menstrual, ovulation phases. But what Claire did was bring a new perspective to me because it was about looking 
uh, about looking at each phase as a season, as mm. spring, summer, winter, autumn, and really looking at it also from a spiritual, through a spiritual lens. Uh, so what, you know, at some points of the cycle, you are more in your masculine and at other points, you're more in your feminine. So when you're in your feminine, you're more connected to your intuition. And when you're in your masculine, you're more connected to, you know, your logical left brain and also to take more action. You want to be out there. You're more extroverted. And so learning all of this really got me to get to relearn what my natural flows and rhythm was. And through that, I really started to, yeah, to actually to adopt my natural flow and also to see that just the power of if I took periods of action followed by periods of rest, and if I, like, these four, these four seasons, they're really all like different people. I feel like I can be a different person in each, in each season. And this is just, you know, from week to week, which I think many women would be Mm -hmm. able to relate to. Mm -hmm. And so if you can actually harness and, and leverage your natural abilities and powers in each of those four seasons, your ability to create and to produce is just so much more than when I was, you know, before just sort of trying, trying to upstream and action my way through everything and not respecting these periods of rest and intuition and receiving and, you know, making things beautiful. So yeah, it was really just, it was really through um, connecting to my own cycle that I really um, came home to what feminine essence really is and and started to really value it. Mm, I love that. I am so excited to listen to the episode you did with Claire Baker. (laughs) I had heard her on Connie Chapman's podcast and it was so beautiful to hear someone explain it in terms of, yeah, spring, summer, fall and winter. And that is, it's such a beautiful practice as well. And I love that you shared about, you know, how to like flow with the moon and understanding your cycles and like understanding your feminine cycles. Cause I think growing up, I sure thought it was like gross and dirty that like I had a period and that that was like a bad thing. And that that was my time of the month when it was like where I couldn't perform my fullest. And therefore that was like bad and wrong. And I think a lot of women, I, I'm sure, did you guys feel like that as well in Australia? Like I know in Canada and North America Definitely. for sure, that was like a, deaths like a social stigma (laughs) yeah absolutely we it was it was a really shameful thing as you said and and also it it was every time you'd um you know come to your bleed it would be like the worst thing in the world yeah that's why many of us you know we, we would get on the pill as soon as possible and then we would just skip our period every month and um that was normal Mm hmm. so do you have any practical tips that you really love to help people in your coaching clients like come embody their feminine essence and sort of get out of this man mode and this masculine ideal? Yes. So actually the first thing that I say, I get a lot of people who want to, you know, figure out what they want to do in terms of their work. They want to find more meaning, fulfillment and enjoyment in their work. 
And so one of the first things I, I say is, okay, so, you know, you, you, you want to find your purpose, you want to find it. Well, the first step is to um, stop trying to find it. Mm, <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, yeah. So this it's, um, you, and also introducing them to the concept of space. I think that's uh, really important. And, you know, how can you bring space into your everyday? So even if it's just for a minute, um, I have a lot of people who are working in, you know, the corporate world and uh, we all know how you just, you, you, it can be difficult to, to even get a minute, but you've got to make time for it because of the benefit that it will have to you on your overall product productivity if you simply just take you know a mindful minute to stop and recenter and you know maybe go to the bathroom this is what I used to do when I was um, in my last role I would go to the bathroom close the door sit on the bath on the toilet and then just like literally sit there for a minute with my eyes closed doing some conscious breathing and then I'd go back into the office, into my working day. So I think there is so much power, even through just a minute t- doing that, to really anchor you into the present moment, to also stop and um, become aware of what's going on and also get intentional about what you're doing and why mm. and, and what your next step is. So I think that's actually something that I share with all of my clients. And, you know, it's one that we have a lot of resistance to, but if you actually stop and just say, you know, it's only one minute, um, like always it is in, it is with it, you end up being able to, well, one expand on that minute, but also without a doubt, um, uh, people start to implement it regularly. Mm, yeah. That's such great implementable, easy tip. The idea of like how, a one minute recharger. And I think, I mean, as overlooked as it can be, like the bathroom stall is a perfect place to do it. And just like, even when you feel like you're at like a a dinner party or you're like at a family function, I call it my energetic cool down where I literally go into the bathroom and I hang out there by myself and shut the door. I'm like, Hey, (laughs) this is my space. Like everybody can just think I'm in the bathroom and here I am like, just like practicing my breathing or like taking a hot second or like brushing my hair. It's like my zone to recharge. And that's such a, that's such an easy thing. I love that you share that because everybody can do it. And sometimes when we think of like taking space or carving space, we're like, oh my God, I have to take a two week vacation or how am I going to fit this in? And it has to be big and grand. So I really that's appreciate so that. Yeah. That you shared that idea of just doing it for one minute. Yeah. And, and then like the other thing is, and I think for no matter what a person wants to work on, you know, whether it's just, um, you know, work moving forward on a, on their dreams or a project, or, um, if they just, you know, want to, um, attract better relationships into their life or you start a business, any of those, the, the first thing that we're always working on. And I think that this is very much about feminine essence is about self-love mm. and it's that, you know, love and acceptance of yourself and where you are in the present moment. But also this is what beauty for me is about because when you're able to appreciate the beauty that's around you, that's only when you can appreciate your own beauty. And that's the same as with love. Like we've all heard, you know, you've got to um, fill yourself up before you've got love anything to give to other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a, you know, basic foundation for anyone, no matter what you're doing, 
always starting from um, self-love. Am I really loving and accepting where I am and, you know, warts and all? Um, and and once you once you have that or, you know, it's a, of course it's an ongoing process because we've got marketing and everything around us just telling us we're not enough. But if you can come back to that, that I am enough and that I am, I, I love myself. I am beautiful. And you're, that means you're moving into an abundance mindset as well, which is, um, you know, you're able to appreciate, you're able to, um, yeah, just, just see the light in other people. Like beauty is, is your anchor to the present moment and self-love is what's going to allow you to be able to, you know, go and make your dreams happen, but also give to the people around you, which is really fulfilling. Mm, I like that beauty being the anchor to the present moment. That's so gorgeous. That just so ties in as well for like appreciation and like honoring the present moment. I love that you shared that. And then do you have any tips for sort of making this conscious shift, like for allowing things to come to you and like letting things come into your vortex and this idea of being productive while also like sitting, sitting back in your chair and feeling like, you know what, it's going to come my way versus like, I'm going to go make it happen and like put out eight like YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's, it's really difficult. This is a difficult one. And, um, well, I think that the, the, the number one thing is about having awareness. And so that's awareness when you realize that you're going upstream or that you're pushing something, you're trying Mm. to force it to make it happen. And so, you know, in my own alignment practice, like my, my highest intention for myself every day is to maintain my own equilibrium or alignment, however you want to see it. And part of that involves me being really aware, and this is how I explain it to my clients, of when I am falling out of that equilibrium or alignment. So what's happening? Am I forcing? Do I need to let go? And as um, Gabby Bernstein in her book, uh, The Universe Has Your Back, which is one of my favorite books, Mm -hmm. she says, when you think you have surrendered, surrender some more. Oh my God. I love that. That's <laughs> literally, I'm no, no surprise that you just said that. That's literally my favorite quote on everything she's ever written. You and I are true soul sisters. Cause I have like repeated that one so many times. Thank you. I'm just going to give a shout out to the universe. So probably need to hear that message. <laughs> it's, it's so good, but yeah. So it's just, as soon as you notice, you know, this isn't feeling good to me, or I feel like I'm chasing something. Well, what if you just let go Mm. and 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 you know and then you think oh oh, but but there's all these reasons why I can't no what if I just let go and you know and trust and you know trust is one of my core values it's so important to you know allowing to opening up space to letting go to allowing our intuition to come in and trusting our intuition trusting others it's graceful um you know it's about seeing the best in other people it's about faith but how much energy do we use not trusting mm. and not letting go and fighting yeah. It's, we waste a lot of energy. So I think just when you see, um, you know, how would it feel to just allow this to happen in the way it's meant to happen? How would that feel? And I think for most people, there is just instant relief. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I just adore everything that you shared. This practice of allowing, trusting, surrendering, letting things come to me. That's been my my practice for the last like six months. I've been getting really good at it now. Like I feel like I finally have the tools to do it. But it's one of those things that is just always I guess I should stop affirming that, that it's always a practice for me. I'm good at that, <laughs> but it's like one of those, it's, it's really was a habit that I used to just, I would never tap into that. And I love how it also ties in with feminine essence, because I didn't even know that existed for me when I was younger or even in high school, when my masculine energies are really strong. Yep. I just adore what you shared. Thank you. Yeah. The, the whole, the, it's difficult. I mean, it's, it is really difficult because you really, the thing is to be, to have the most control, you need to relinquish control. Mm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and that's yeah. That's really like, you know, brain explosion. Like how does that even work? But really it is that, that is, that is you, um, exercising your power and, um, and also like, you know, making the decision not to do something is a decision still. It's still mm. an action. It's still, you know, I decide mm -hmm. is one of the most powerful affirmations that I tell myself every day. You know, I decide what I do with my time. I decide how I look at this. I decide and deciding to do nothing is a decision still. Mm, I love that. And I know that you love the the mindset work and overcoming self-limiting beliefs. And I just think that's so good. This concept of I decide and I get to pick and I get to pick my thought and my action. And that is such a good nugget of wisdom to say, like not taking action is still an action and a decision. And that's something I can definitely give my ego to like chew on for a while, but like, you know what? I'm actually giving you like something to do. Like you actually have a purpose. Now be quiet. <laughs> I have made something happen. Now I can relax. So thank you. That's a great one. No problems. Yeah. So I want to do a little bit of a pivot before we close and talk about and conclude with your decision to stop drinking. And I'm curious as to your choice, but also how you have come to it along your journey of like evolution and enlightenment and sort of becoming who you really are. Yeah, sure. Definitely. I, I love to talk about this journey for me because it was really unexpected and it's also been just like one of the best things that I've ever done. So before I decided to stop drinking, I, I had a really normal relationship when it came to, you know, being a millennial and drinking, I drank most weekends, uh, Friday, Saturday nights. Um, although, you know, sometimes I'd be like, Oh, I'll only drink one day this weekend. Um, I drank when I'd go away and otherwise I tried not to drink during the week, but I, when I'd go out and drink, it would often end up into, you know, too many. I'd be busy drinking. And I was really getting sick and tired of, um, going for, you know, one or two drinks and then ending up having like so many more and then waking up feeling hungover or even, you know, only having one or two drinks and then still feeling crappy the next day. And the way it sort of unfolded was I had realized what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to do something in this world of health and wellness. I was so just passionate and interested and that had sustained me for, you know, a year and a half um, more. And, um, and I knew I wanted to do something with it, but I felt like where was all my time going? Mm. So one day I sat down and actually like documented 
how many hours I had per month, how much I needed for sleep, how much I needed for, you know, traveling to work and for work. And then what, how many hours I had left per month to do exactly what I wanted. And so I was trying to figure out how much time I had to, you know, start something on the side. And I realized I actually had a lot of time, but I thought, where is all of this going? And I realized that it was going a lot of it to um, socializing. And a lot of that was, um, you know, I thought, how am I possibly spending all of this time? And it was because I, you know, when you go out, you go out for hours and then you've got, you know, the next day sort of affected because you don't feel at your best. And, um, and also, you know, it affects what you're eating and your, and your bank account and all of this sort of stuff. So there was all these like incidentals that I started to become really aware of. And I really just wanted my time back. So I gradually started to just be like, okay, no, I really don't want to drink. Um, but with my job, I still felt that I had to drink because I was, you know, whining and dining clients and candidates. And, um, also over here in the UK, there's a really big, um, drinking culture and I felt like I'd be excluded. And, um, I felt how, you know, how are people going to understand that I don't want to have a drink? Like if I say no, I'm going to have to come up with an excuse. Mm, I actually mm -hmm. considered saying that I was allergic to alcohol. Like I came up with all of these things that I could say because I felt so, I, I just felt that I, that this was something that just wasn't going to be acceptable. And then when, um, I went to New York and I'd just gone to my work Christmas party and I, you know, managed to go for weeks without drinking. And then I went to my work Christmas party. I had a drink, which turned into two, which then turned into too many. And I woke up the next day with a hangover, really, really, really regretting, um, drinking and just feeling terrible again. And I just in that moment was like, that's it. That's it. And then I had, um, a moment of inspiration and I thought, oh my gosh, what if I did this as an experiment for 12 months and I announced it on um, social media. So to all of my friends and my colleagues, and, you know, I made it look like I was sort of taking one for the team. I was going to see if, how this would impact my life. Would I feel healthier? Would I be more productive? What would be the outcome? And I thought if I publicly announce it, then, you know, no one can convince me um, not to do it and people will understand it more. So that's what I did on the 1st of January. 2017, I sent out a message and said, this is something I've committed to doing. And also I knew that it would also hold me accountable to um, what I wanted to do. And, um, and then there it started. And I called that 2017 is fine without wine. Mm. And <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and like, honestly, it was just such an easeful flowing and just a really peaceful experience for me. And I'm not sure whether that was also because at the same time I started my, um, the flow with intention with Jess Lively. So I was really focusing on how I could get my alignment up, um, each day, you know, what, what would bring me joy. Um, and also, you know, really focusing on creating joy for myself and also, 
you know, what, what, like little things being fun. So there was, there was that happening at the same time. But what I really, what I realized was that alcohol was just, it was acting as a, you know, a pacifier or a bandaid on issues that I had there that I needed to face. And like for, for one, um, going to social situations, um, and feeling confident without drinking. And so at first, you know, it was awkward, but I realized that after the first, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, everyone was, you know, very much more comfortable. And so I started to realize that, oh, maybe this feeling of not, uh, of being awkward and uncomfortable is just something that happens when you are in, you know, when you first step into a group um, situation. And, um, and so it just got easier and easier. And I started to, and I, well, I just looked upon that situation with humor. So I felt the, I felt the awkwardness. I experienced it. I was present with it, but I also just looked at it with humor. Like, isn't this funny how awkward I feel right now? And eventually that just, you know, I, it wasn't awkward anymore because I got used to it. And actually the, it was the people around me who were probably more awkward than I was. But then once they got used to me, you know, not having a drink in my hand and instead having, you know, water or sparkling water, they were fine. So yeah, it was that the social pressure wasn't as significant as I thought. And actually once I made the decision not to drink alcohol, then I had a number of other friends also choose not to drink with me because we we're all just sort of thinking the same thing. No one wanted to be the one that, you know, didn't want to have fun, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were all just sort of showing up and doing it, but it wasn't actually what people wanted to do. And yeah, as a result of um, not drinking, I also, um, I, I then moved very quickly f- like forward on actually moving forward on my dream of starting my own business and my own website and really ta- taking action to live in alignment with my purpose and to show up for it. And I think that's a really important point about um, alcohol because it's numbing you out from something and you've got to figure out what that is. And for me, it was, you know, those deeper, harder feelings of unfulfillment. And so removing that bandaid meant that I, I had to, I had to face it. And, um, and yeah, it just, it just meant that I had way more time and that I ended up showing up for my purpose very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like I feel like so many people these days, as we kind of become more conscious, alcohol becomes less and less important, especially like for millennials. Um, and it was so appreciated what you shared about your friends wanting to do it with you too. And how like, it's so easy. Cause I remember feeling like this too, when I first gave up alcohol being like, everybody's going to think I'm the weird one. And then somehow mm-hmm. like when you do it, it's like almost as if you're the cool one. And people are like, oh, finally, somebody else feels like this. And I think <laughs> it's such a special thing to share because I think it's one of those things where it's like not ever spoken about directly and there's not a lot of people yeah. talking about it and there's nowhere for people to be like hold the space to be like, this is my experience with alcohol or like, I actually don't want to do this, but there's like weird social pressure and like, how are people going to think of me? And I think so many listeners would resonate with what you shared about like being on you know, uh, a dinner with clients or something in your previous job when you felt like, oh my goodness, how how is this going to be without alcohol? I remember going to a, a dinner when I was interviewing for a company when I was still in business school and 
being like, I'm going to be the only one that doesn't order a drink at the table. And then they're going to ask me all these weird questions. And I think it's just so special when people just can like share honestly and make a decision that is against the norm and be like, you know what, this is my choice and this fits for me and my lifestyle. And I just really respect that and really admire that of you. Yeah. And it's, you know, now I'm, and, and this, this happened, I don't know, maybe around the three month mark, I was just really proud to, to say, Oh no, I'll have, uh, could I have sparkling water or could I have water? And I, I think like this feeling of needing to justify what we're consuming is also, you know, we also feel that when it comes to food, uh, at times, which is really interesting. And I, you know, because I can be quite, I like to eat really healthily. And, um, but when I, you know, am staying, maybe when I'm visiting family and friends, I might need to, you know, eat things or um, that I don't want to eat. And I always thought, why does it matter what I consume? Like, why does it matter so much to other people? And this was really like the same thing with alcohol. But then once you realize that, well, it really doesn't matter to anyone. You just need to like, let them know what to expect. It was a lot easier. Mm, Yeah. That concept of justifying ourselves, that was definitely something I had to learn to stop justifying my choices. Cause it can feel like the other thing is like, And I'm sure you share this with like your coaching clients as well. And in your work, like people might feel like they need to justify themselves, but being on the other side, when like people are like rationalizing their choices to you, you're like, oh, you don't really need to justify your choice. Like I'm cool with your choice, except when we are the person that's justifying it and saying out loud, it feels like we have to say all this stuff when usually everybody's just really cool with whatever you pick. And even though we think like people are going to be weird or act weird about not drinking, everyone's usually just like, oh, okay, cool. (laughs) And it's like, we're making like, you know, an elephant out of a mouse. That's so true. That's exactly right. So true. And, you know, for anyone who is listening, who might want to um, try not drinking you, I just recommend that you write yourself a list And, um, you write down all the benefits that you will have by not drinking and all that include all the reasons why you don't want to drink. So make it as long as possible, write it down and have it somewhere for you to look at when, you know, it's a Friday and, um, it's a sunny day, you've just finished work. And then your immediate thought is, oh, I just would like a drink. Um, Because what you've got to realize is that, you know, our brain is just operating automatically most of the time in terms of the way we think and feel and what we desire. So we've just programmed it to want alcohol in social settings, uh, settings after work, in client meetings. It's just programmed. And so we just simply need to go through a little bit of an awkward phase to reprogram it to, you know, set a new norm. And that requires us being consciously aware of what our intention is and then choosing the action that's going to support that. So at first, it's not an automatic process. We have to keep reminding ourselves to do it, but that's okay. It's just because we're changing a behavior. So I really recommend writing that list. And then the other thing is, you know, you've got to start looking at how can I fill up my life with other sources of fun Mm. that aren't requiring things outside of myself. And I think that this was really key to my journey. And I think that's why I also found, I immersed myself in spirituality because I started to look at how can I 
find fun, you know, within me, you know, how can I be fun? Um, I don't need other things to experience fun. And, you know, it can be the same with food when we're emotionally eating or we're getting so much pleasure out of the food we're eating when, you know, that food is there to nourish us. It's there to, you know, give us energy. And when we put so much emphasis on it being our source of pleasure, that's when we go into excess and it becomes a problem. So you've just got to be really conscious of, you know, I can create my fun. And when you're doing things in excess to check yourself out. So there is a fine line there, but it's just, it's just about awareness, being aware of when you're crossing that line. And, um, and also surrounding yourself with examples of other people who are doing whatever it is you want to do. And if that's alcohol, then, you know, people who are also enjoying an alcohol free lifestyle, you know, go and follow people on social media. That's what I did. I, I started off just, um, researching, you know, what are some, uh, organizations that promote alcohol-free lifestyle. And, you know, I looked in London, I looked in Australia, I looked in the US, you know, I just did all this ser- a search. I signed up for all of their newsletters and very quickly I had a support network. So that was really helpful because we all know that environment is stronger than willpower. So we've got to really, you know, set ourselves up for success. And, um, and finally, I just say that if anyone's interested, I am currently writing a book about my journey without alcohol. And, um, I'm also in the near future, it's still, you know, being created and it's still, um, developing, but I am creating a space for people who do want to quit drinking, who feel the social pressure and, um, want to try and overcome that. So if anyone is interested in, you know, sort of staying up up to date with me and my journey. You can follow me on Instagram, but you can also um, sign up for my newsletter because I do share blogs from time to time about, you know, what I'm learning and also my podcast. I'm about to have a series with people from organizations who promote an alcohol-free lifestyle. So this is um, another pillar of my business that I'm really going to move forward on because I really, I want to see a world where my children aren't going to be raised um, thinking that they need to drink alcohol to make themselves feel enough. Mm, Those are all amazing tips and suggestions for starting out, especially like the idea of, of a list and finding um, a support network and a group. And I love how you made your environment like full of like new, new people and new email newsletters and just like infusing that into your world. I think that's such a beautiful tip so this is a, a good spot for us to start wrapping up. Letitia, you had so many beautiful aha moments and nuggets of wisdom, especially everything from like your life pivot and becoming a life coach to sharing about feminine essence and letting go. And oh my gosh, I'm excited to replay this and listen for my own self to write some of your quotes down. <laughs> and what you shared on uh, no longer drinking, I, I really resonate with your story. And I just think you have such a gift for connecting with people and sharing it in a way that really touches people like on a heartfelt level. And I feel like a lot of listeners are totally going to understand exactly how you feel. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was, it was such a, you know, treat to be here with you as well. And yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation and, um, I'm, I can't wait to re-listen as well. And cause you know, it's any sort of connection is an opportunity to learn. Totally. So I just have three quick closing final Q and A. So what would you say to someone just brand spanking new to starting out on this journey of creating a beautiful life for themselves? 
So I would say to forget everything that you know and um, to start trying to figure out who you really are. And, um, and, and that, and that requires a, you know, turning within, not, um, looking outside yourself. Oh, that's gorgeous. And if listeners want to find you online and they love this episode, where is your favorite place for them to say hello? So I love Instagram. <laughs> like most people do. Yeah. Uh, so it's at create a life that is beautiful. Perfect. And then what can the listeners and I personally do to support you in your work? Oh, that's a lovely question. So, well, I guess I really, I, I think community is so important, which is why I love my Instagram community. And so I think when we're all on there and, um, you know, commenting on each other's work and, you know, just being a part of the conversation is the best thing that we can do and making sure that we're sharing it with other people as well, like our friends and getting them involved because you never know when someone really needs to hear something that you're finding really valuable. So I know this isn't really answering your question, but I think that the best way that we you can support me and then and also support each other is by sharing what is really helping you on your own journey. I think we all need to speak up more. And um, and of course, if you are um, interested in uh, signing up for my newsletter and becoming a part of my creator life that is beautiful tribe. I would love that. And I will be launching a course shortly all about discovering a purpose through embracing your feminine essence. So you can look out for that there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Letitia. This was such a treat to get to talk to you on the pod. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Kelly. All right, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in and for listening and for downloading this show. I hope you adored it just as much as I did. If you absolutely loved it too, take a second to take a screenshot of this, upload it to your Instagram stories and tag Letitia and I in it. I would love to hear your top aha moment or takeaway from this gorgeous episode. And once again, just thank you so much for always hanging out with us for the hour every single week and downloading and listening. The reason why the podcast does so well is truly because of you and you sharing the show and you loving it. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and I will catch you back here soon. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you love this episode, please take a second to share it with somebody that you know needs to hear this message. And if you feel so called and so moved, please write an honest review of what you think about this podcast in iTunes and leave me some stars. That would truly help me out on my journey to helping millions and millions of people. And until next time, have a lovely day and I'm so excited to see you back here soon.